You are listening to Messy in the Middle, the show here to help you navigate the messy blend that is life and business today. I'm your host, Haley Johnson, and my guests and I are here to dish out all the hot takes, big wins, and seriously messy moments that come with being an entrepreneur. So grab another cup of coffee, you know you want to, and let's get into it. Okay, welcome back to Messy in the Middle. Joining me today, I have Ashley Sang. Ashley is, I think, one of the first people to ever pitch to be on Messy in the Middle, so I had to say yes, (laughs) but her pitch was also fantastic. So Ashley, welcome to the show. Ah, thanks so much for having me. And that's actually super interesting to to know. Um, I feel like pitching is one of those things that so many of us are scared to do, but you know, here we're living proof that it works sometimes. Yeah, I think definitely. I think sometimes like when I want to ask to be on someone's podcast, or even if I want to ask someone to be on my podcast, I'm always like, oh my God, what if they say no? Like I'm so scared. But it's like, first of all, they say no. Cool. They're they said no. And why would they say no? <laughs> yeah. Like I sometimes think about how long hard it is to find guests. Like, of course, people want guests, especially guests that like did research and are excited to be on the show. So I'm very happy to have you here. Well, thanks so much. Super happy to be here. So let's just dive straight into it. Tell me and also our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do as a service provider. Yeah, thanks. So I am Ashley Sang. I run Ashley Sang Consulting and it has had many iterations in the four plus years I have been doing this online business ownership thing. But right now it looks like being a podcast host myself, which is quite new and super fun. And it also looks like working with really conscious and caring business owners, highly ambitious women who want to get more visible, but in alignment with their values. So I do values aligned brand messaging strategy and related marketing consulting so that they're able to talk about what they do, why it matters so, so much, package up all of their experience and passion and expertise and really connect with the people who need to hear what it is that they have to say. And so that's what I do in the day-to-day. I'm based in central Illinois. I have a young toddler with my husband and that is pretty much my entire life in a nutshell. (laughs) I could imagine. I don't have kids, but the time that I do spend with my friends who have kids, I'm like, yes, this this truly is at least one, if not more full-time jobs. It's like four and a half full-time jobs. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) One full-time job for every year they are, right? Well, that's awesome. So before you got into being self-employed, working for yourself, running your own consultancy, what did you do for work? What did you study? Kind of what did the life look like pre-business and what inspired you to jump off and go on your own? Yeah. So I'm one of those accidental turned intentional business owners, like so many (laughs) of us. I studied, well, since you mentioned studying, we'll go way back to college. I studied anthropology and French and linguistics with zero intention of, you know, being on some archaeological dig (laughs) or living in a village. I did that during study abroad and it is not for me. I am definitely a a, a comfort kind of person, but I loved the idea of learning 
what makes people tick, learning the power of language, learning the social norms that impact all the little and enormous things that we do and feel and think and and say and all the things. So that led me to Senegal in West Africa, uh, where I met my now husband. He was not the plan, but he became (laughs) a huge part of my life. And so immediately after graduation, I found a job at a human rights education NGO in Senegal. I was with that organization for four years. And that is where I learned all things communications. I started as an executive assistant. So I was in the room for these super high level conversations. I could see how decisions were made. I could see how things were well-managed or mismanaged. Um, I had my hands in everything from grants to media relations to running logistics, all the things. And then I found my way to the communications department where I really honed in on storytelling and taking really dry, boring field reports and literally translating them from French to English, but also from boring stats to stories that would connect with donors and supporters across the world. And that is where, yeah, I I learned all things brand management and external communications and everything in between. As we were going through the green card process with my husband, I started freelancing on the side because I didn't know when we'd be able to move. I didn't know where we would end up, what I would be doing if I would have a job lined up. And so we ended up moving back to my hometown, which was also not the plan. And I was pleasantly surprised to find a really thriving small business and nonprofit sector here that I had no idea was like right underneath my nose growing up. And so I ended up at a local Habitat for Humanity and their related restore. Mm -hmm. And I'm a huge thrifting fiend. So that was like a really special opportunity to be able to, you know, live in a thrift store, work in a thrift store all day, every day. Work, live, same thing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, And I kept freelancing on the side, A, for the extra income, but mostly for the extra potential for impact and relationships. And I really liked the challenge of it. And I liked not being boxed into a single cause. And I liked not being boxed into a single skill set. I was really able to determine, you know, my own job description on any given gig or pitch that I had. And, And so at the beginning of 2019, I decided, you know what, I want to take this quote unquote freelance thing full time. Let me just let me just see how this goes. I quickly found that running an online business is very different than freelancing on the side, but I also found that I love the nuts and bolts of it. I love the relationships that come with it. I love the personal development that comes with entrepreneurship. So, yeah, it's been, you know, 4 plus years and I've done everything from done for you copy and content and website creation and social media management and all things communications and marketing to now really living in this strategy realm and being able to inform decisions at that CEO level so that any money that my clients spend on blogs, on social media management, any time that they invest to pitching to podcasts or attending conferences or whatever has a strategy behind it, has Mm -hmm. intention behind it. And uh, it's a super exciting and, uh, and privileged position to be in. Your story is so like 
similar to mine, but also like very different. Mm-hmm. I studied sociology in undergrad. And so, and at my school, like sociology and anthropology were the same department, basically just like different people taught the same classes. And I went from graduating college to not all the way across the world, but I went from graduating college to working at nonprofits and really liking that side of things. But I was also freelancing on the side because nonprofits did not pay what Mm -hmm. (laughs) I needed to not live at my parents' house. And in the process of doing that and like working on my own versus working with the nonprofits, I was like, I do not like not having any control over the strategy in this higher level kinds of conversations. So that was a big part of why I wound up going off on my own as well. And I definitely went through my own phase of like offering everything under the sun and I can do this and I can do this and I can do this. So yeah, of course I'll do that for you Mm -hmm. in with this package. So a question that I really have for you is when did you make the shift from kind of like offering a little bit of everything, like what you were maybe doing in your nonprofit or corporate corporate position (laughs) to really a feeling confident saying I can be that strategist role I can be at that c-suite table but then also having the restraint to say no when someone's like oh can you just write this blog because technically you can right yeah yeah I think I have a whole newsletter blog post about just because (laughs) you can do something doesn't mean you should do something and that's a lesson we all have to learn yeah and I also like I will say if you are starting out as a service provider as a especially as a freelancer on the side I do think there's some merit in trying everything under the sun Mm because you don't know what you don't know you don't know what you like or what you don't like you don't know what phase of business works well for you and your brain and the types of clients you work with and the industries you like and Like I only knew about brand messaging strategy because I sort of happened to stumble upon random projects where they were like, can you do this? And I would Google it and figure it out. And then it was a slow build from there. Mm -hmm. So I do think there's absolutely value in experimentation, but you do need to sort of set a time limit for yourself or know in your gut when the tides have turned, when it is time to really sink your teeth in, really become known for something. That's something I talk about a lot now is what do you want to be known for? And for me, that comes down to values, but it can Mm -hmm. also absolutely tie into your expertise, right? Um, I, I can't possibly rank for like best marketing consultant ever, right? There's just, there's so much competition and there's no way to tangibly pin that on me. It's also not a helpful thing to rank for if you really think about it. Exactly. But if I go all in on values alignment, values-based decision-making, values-aligned brand messaging strategy, like these things that really come down to the way that I view the world, that is so much more helpful for me and my business and also for clients who are looking for exactly what I have to offer. So all that to say, let's see, at (laughs) what point did I really shift? I think it was in, it was in 20... 21. Yeah. Okay. I I get all my dates messed up, especially with the pandemic, but it's because I was pregnant all of 2021, basically, you know, we know we're not pregnant for 12 months, but But um, my my daughter was born in December (laughs) of 2021. So I knew life is going to change. And I had already been dabbling with VIP days. 
I had already been thinking, ooh, okay, instead of retainers where I'm just constantly on call or instead of, you know, $100 blog posts here or there and piecing everything together, how can I build a business that's really based on something that I'm uniquely good at and that people really, really need to run their businesses better? And so I spent pretty much all of 2021 refining my business to be set up to be, I am a strategist. Of course, I can do the done for you stuff. And I do still very occasionally do it, especially if I've already done the strategy work with my clients. If I know their vision, if I know their values, if I know their voice, yeah, I can write their executive bio. I can write their about page. I I can do those things for them. But the way into my world of working with me is at the strategy level in some capacity. Mm -hmm. And so that 2021 shift is I took my time. I I had all of my retainer clients still, and I was adding on all of my VIP and quick win consulting call clients. And it was definitely a slow build. My entire business has been a slow build and I like it that way. Um, It makes me feel a lot more secure in it, in my ability to deliver, in my ability to offer what people need. And yeah, it's been, I'm just very, very thankful for those years and years ago when I somehow got placed on strategy projects. I'm glad I raised my hand to say yes. I'm glad the clients trusted me with their vision and glad it's brought me to where I am today. I love that. Yeah. I feel like everything that you're saying, I'm just like, yep. Uh Mm -hmm. I've been there. I even like, I think it was 2021 was the year where I was like, I'm tired of doing everything but the kitchen sink. I want to be known for one thing. I did not like the thing that I picked to be known for explicitly. (laughs) And now I'm like in that phase of like backpedaling a little bit, becoming known for something that's a bit more like fun for me and a bit more like flexible in terms of how I can keep working with people because the thing that I originally was like known for and I think I had a newsletter about this like a week ago it was like I was the LinkedIn girl and it was Mm. like Haley LinkedIn Haley LinkedIn Haley LinkedIn and it was such a tiny little box to put myself into because just like you said once you know someone's you know values and strategy and all of this stuff you can absolutely write their bio but if someone's not hiring you to do that and they're just hiring you to write their bio but they don't have any of that stuff well you still need to do it and so mm-hmm. you're kind of still doing everything anyway but you're doing this like uphill battle to sell people into like all of your other skills And so that's why I always like raise an eyebrow a little bit when people talk about niching down like so aggressively because it's like, well, you can maybe over niche, I think. (laughs) Yeah. I also think that niching is a little bit under like it's it's misunderstood or Mm -hmm. it's sort of minimized in that, okay, you either choose one skill set, you know, I only do LinkedIn, period. I only do brand messaging, period. And like you're, you're boxed in there or you only choose one industry or client type, right? Like I only work with um, pre-seed, under million dollar startups. Right. That's it. Uh, I can't possibly work with a small business owner. I can't possibly work with a corporation with a $5 million budget. Or, you know, like I feel like niching absolutely is useful in understanding and 
empathetically relating to your audience, yes, that is important. You need to know who you're talking to. But the way I approach audience and niching in general is much more, again, that values-based, that psychographic-based, the how do people think and feel? Mm-hmm. How do you want people to feel when they engage with your brand? That can be consistent, whether you're doing LinkedIn or whether you are, I don't know, selling knit- knitwear or anything in between. How do people feel when they interact with you? Mm-hmm. How do people feel when they think of your brand, when they see your brand as you're scrolling, as they're scrolling through? It's really that emotional connection that is going to have much more sustainable longevity in your business. And that's something that you're probably going to get less sick of than a particular skill set or a particular type of client. Definitely not to say don't niche ever, but there are ways to niche that aren't checking boxes. Like I only work with millennial women under 35, you know, like that, maybe that's useful information to have, but In most cases, it's a lot more useful to know what are those millennial women under 35 struggling with? Mm -hmm. What is it that they're wanting out of life or out of their business? What is it that they're so deeply hopeful for that you could bring them one or five or 10 steps closer to? That is a lot more powerful than box checking. Yeah, I definitely feel like sometimes when we're taught or like if you Google or find a blog post or whatever about like, how do I find my target market? It's like, okay, like list out their demographics. Think of people who you've worked with and use that as like your example. And then like, guess that they're psychographics. And it's really more like, think about what you want to experience when you're working with these people. Mm-hmm. Then ask what they're trying to experience by working with you. And then if you notice any patterns in the boxes you can check, cool. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like I used to be so specific about that. Like I worked with companies in a certain revenue range and with a certain team size and like all of these boxes that I could check. And then one day I just like scrapped it. And I was like, I want to work with people who are nice to me, mm-hmm. who treat me with respect, even though I look and am rather young. And who value the service that I can provide. Like, those are my top three. If you don't fit those top three, I'm not really interested. But I haven't had a client not fit those top three since I, like, just said it out loud. and was like, this is what I need. And those things all align with the actual, like, written values I have for my company. And that's so cool. Amazing. And what's so good about putting a stake in the ground and saying who your right fit clients are is it not only feels so much better for you, but also it feels so much better for them because like you're exactly who they're looking for. Right. Mm -hmm. And you are, it's that attraction marketing at play. You are attracting the exact right people. You're repelling the exact wrong people. Those right people are going to bring in more right people just like them. And the wrong people are not going to be bringing in more wrong people. And it it all builds from there. It's all about that momentum. Um, Yeah. So yeah, I love that's like such a perfect example, that experience, that feeling. Um, And those are things that, again, it could be any company size. It could be any industry, but feeling good about the people you work with. And here's how specifically golden. Yeah. And I think 
when you said attraction marketing, I experienced the opposite when I did make that shift because Mm -hmm. my original, like when I started my business, it was kind of immediately after college, I was working a million jobs. And like one of my dad's friends ran a business. And then one of his referrals was someone who was like also in that same industry, that same economic bracket, like all of those things were the same. And so for a long time, that was my ideal client because that was any client I'd ever known. And then when I started making the shift towards like the people who are actually my ideal client, my dad started texting me when I would post on LinkedIn and be like, I don't know if you should put that on the internet. Mm. I don't know if people are going to want to work with you if they know that you are, you know, sharing these things. I'm like, perfect. It's working. Exactly. <laughs> I love yeah. you, dad, but I don't want to work with you or your friends. It is so scary to put off potential clients, right? Mm-hmm. But also it's so liberating yeah. to be able to step into here's who I am as a human because yes, we're doing business together. I am not a proponent for like share everything under the sun. I do think that every single business, no matter how transparent does need to have some, some boundaries, right? Like you do need to determine what you're willing to share and what you're not, but humans do business with humans, humans connect with humans. So if you want to share your lunch, because that suits you and your business owners that you work with, awesome. If you want to share your travels or your struggles or your health journey or anything in between, awesome. Because that will make you show up more confidently, more genuinely, and it will attract the people that you want to attract. Yes. It is so scary for the potential to be rejected for who you are, but it's also so, so liberating. Definitely. Now, so you and I are both more on like the personal brand side of things when it comes to our own approach to marketing. And I work with a lot of clients who are kind of still very much the face of their brand, but maybe are in the period where they're trying to pull away from being the face all the time. So they're like navigating these weird waters of finally starting to feel comfortable showing up who they are online, but also like I don't want to be the only person doing all of the marketing and sales forever. So do you have any like advice or recommendations that you make to clients who want to have their business show up as they are online or even in real life without actually like them having to show up? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I work with founders, CEOs, business leaders, however you want to call them in very similar positions Mm -hmm. often. And there are a few ways to distance yourself, the face, the founder, but again, still keep that human element. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I do think that establishing your brand values, so not necessarily your personal values, of course, there will be much, much overlap, but very clearly establishing uniquely defining and then actively applying your brand values is going to be the best, most consistent way for your brand to show up, no matter who is showing up on behalf of the brand. That is, your values are your how. So how you show up, whether you're talking about a big win or a huge struggle or tough news, um, like in the general media, Mm -hmm. however it is that you're showing up, 
Your values are that through line of how you make people feel and how your brand represents itself. I think if you really have a firm handle on those values, then you're able to communicate that to a social media manager so that you don't have to show up every day. You're able to communicate that to a VA so they can create posts or newsletters or something on your behalf. You're able to communicate that to a copywriter so that if you don't want your about page to be about you, the founder, you want it to be about you, the brand, then that copywriter is able to weave those values and that voice, that brand voice of who you are as a brand, not necessarily who you are as a brand founder across all of your messaging, across everywhere you show up, even something like video, right? Maybe you want to start outsourcing your video content to an animator or to an intern who, you know, does face to camera videos, something like that. You're able to hand over a brand messaging guide, or at the very least your voice and your values and It's a roadmap for that person Mm -hmm. to show up and create content that looks and feels like you, quote unquote, without your face. And then also, I, I do think there's value, especially as people, founders step away from being the face of their business. I do think there's value in going through the personal brand experience as well. Mm -hmm. So who are you as the founder and how is that? tied to and separate from you, the brand, the business. Um, And that having that delineation and having that clarity in both lanes and where they intersect and where they are separate can also be very valuable. Maybe you want to speak and you don't necessarily always want to have to talk on behalf of the company. You want to talk on behalf of you and the 20 years of experience you have, or maybe you want to write a book or Mm -hmm. maybe you know, anything in between, right? Maybe you want to launch a podcast and the podcast is tied to the business, but it's really a thought leadership, personal brand type of podcast going through that. How am I separate from my brand and how am I, you know, similar to, and part of my brand can be a very valuable exercise as well. I like that a lot. So Clearly, you value like the brand voice guide, the brand guidelines, all of that kind of stuff. I already know now as I'm like recording this episode with you, which of my solo episodes I want to like pair with this one because I recorded it the other day and I'm like, we are having that conversation. It's just not one sided anymore. Um, So I'm so excited to be able to like have all of this out in the world together. If you were to recommend to someone who maybe wanted to bring on a team member to help with, you know, other content creation or other things like that on their marketing side, and maybe they couldn't afford to bring on a strategist as well or couldn't afford to work with someone on a messaging guide as well like what step would you recommend they take so that they can still get some of that support and like outsource what they need but not compromise on the quality or accidentally wind up releasing like this generic content because they don't have that foundation so many thoughts here (laughs) yeah I know it was a very long-winded question (laughs) all right so I have I have like specific to me thoughts and then I have general thoughts on this. So for example, if it's just not in the budget or just not part of the vision right now or you know whatever phase you're in in business and it's just not 
time for you to do, for example, a full VIP day mm-hmm. brand messaging strategy with someone like me, then there is still merit in getting outside perspective from a strategist, from a mastermind, from a business bestie, getting that outside perspective on that high level stuff, that mm-hmm. high level vision, that high level messaging is so important because we are so close to it. So as you're hiring someone, of course, hire someone that you trust to be able to carry on the message, but then also who could contribute to the message, someone you could bounce ideas off of, someone you could say, hey, here's what I think my vision is, or I think these are my values. Do these resonate? How do you think this would connect with my audience? That sort of thing. Definitely bring on a contractor that you, or an employee that you trust in that capacity, Mm -hmm. but having some sort of strategy level partner, whether they're paid or not is essential. We are just too close to Mm -hmm. everything that's inside our head and heart. We need to be able to voice it out loud. We need to have it reflected back to us, either validated or have some holes poked through it so that we can make it better, stronger. I do have many ways to work with me, you know, beyond just a full, let's do your whole brand messaging strategy. Yeah. So outside perspective in whatever capacity is essential. And then in terms of like the elements of a complete brand messaging strategy that I think are most essential for getting started, I do think that the two most essential parts are your brand values, as I've exhausted already, but then also that audience component. It has to have that overlap with your audience. So we don't necessarily, again, need to niche down so specifically to this one type of business needing this one type of thing necessarily. It could it could genuinely support your business to be that clear and specific, but you might also want some variety in there. Mm-hmm. But in general, who are you talking to? As you create this content, how do you want them to feel? What do you want them to do? Every single piece of content or copy that you create needs to ask those two questions and it needs to align with those values that are going to be consistent no matter where you show up, no matter how you show up, no matter what it is that you're creating. So that values overlap with that audience is really going to be Those are the two common denominators in everything you create. And whoever you hand over your content or whatever it is that you're outsourcing to absolutely needs to embody those two elements. And if they can't get on board with who it is that you're serving, why what you do matters so much, and how it is that you show up, then they're not going to be the right hire for you. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes to the person that maybe you're asking to take a look at this stuff before you are passing it along to your contractor or, you know, trying to get some feedback or bounce ideas off of, how important or how connected do you think that this person should be to that ideal audience that you are talking about. I'm thinking about like if I had showed my dad my brand values and messaging before, he would have been like, no offense, but this is garbage when full offense, it is not garbage. (laughs) So like, do you have a recommendation for, you know, is there someone who's maybe too close to you or too close to that ideal audience member to be able to provide that objective feedback? Or do you think maybe that's just when you should know you should hire someone to help you out? (laughs) 
Yeah. So I, I see it again, two different ways. So one is you can absolutely get feedback from the real people you want to serve. Um, so if you know you want to serve a particular group of people and you know they hang out in this Facebook group or Slack group or this paid community or whatever, um, or or just your own email list or your own social media following, you can absolutely ask them, does this resonate with you? Are you struggling with this? Is this what you hope for? Um, how do you want to feel? Like you can absolutely get that real feedback from the real people you want to serve. That's amazing. And that's always useful. Uh, no matter how established you are, you know, whether you're mid pivot or whether you know that you're on the right track, you just really, really want to reinforce it. Um, That's market research. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. So like that market research, that real live feedback from real humans that you actually want to serve is always useful. And then sometimes it is nice to have that outside perspective from someone who maybe isn't part of your core audience or um, someone who is able to step into their shoes empathetically, but who's also able to see your vision and see how you fit in. And that's what a good strategist does. That's what a good consultant does. That's what, uh, you know, a good, again, mastermind, business bestie, someone that you trust. They don't have to be part of that core audience by any means in order to give you good feedback. They don't have to be part of that lived experience to understand that experience or to understand where they might show up or what type of workshop they might want to hear from you or what type of content they might want to see from you. I don't think it's key as you're looking for coaches or consultants or contractors. I don't think it's key that the person you hire is necessarily part of your target audience as long as they can understand who it is that you're trying to reach. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So something that I've been thinking about as we've been talking is like how ingrained in this values and audience conversation I've been lately as I've been going through and like planning out this season of education and credibility building for the podcast and doing blogging, all of this stuff. And it made me wonder what you think about maybe as sometimes like what's the blessing and what's the curse of having marketing and strategy and like voice being your skill set and your job as like something you're using to promote your business versus like if you were an accountant who needed to just like hire someone and have them tell you what to do. Do you feel like there are any specific benefits or negatives of being so ingrained in like every part of your business, if that question makes sense. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to answer it and then you tell me if I'm answering the question. But um, so I think sort of pros is that deep empathy because I think about other people's audiences all day, every day, because I think about other people's visions and their potential for impact. And all of the exciting things that come with working with other entrepreneurs, that really lights me up and that really keeps my empathy fire going and it makes me a better messaging strategist. It makes me a better consultant. It makes me constantly have my eyes and ears open for things that worked for one business that I see out in the wild or with real clients or with real partners and that I could suggest to my clients. 
I'm literally like every time I'm on a walk with my baby, I think of like four or five, six different business analogies of like, oh, I got I got to write a yes. about this. So <laughs> um, yeah. And then that relates to the con is we're in the weeds of it. It is, it's a little bit meta to sell brand messaging strategy through brand messaging, right? Like your messaging has to be on point and it's really hard to have your own messaging be on point, especially a hundred percent of the time, Mm -hmm. especially without that outside perspective. Um, So sometimes there's like pressure, imposter syndrome, selling your own stuff when what it is that you're selling is what makes other people confident in what they're selling. So yeah, sometimes just being tied to something that's a little bit nebulous also, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, something you mentioned an accountant, everyone knows they need their taxes done. Yeah. Um, That doesn't mean selling your accounting services is easy by any means, but it does mean it's very clear and specific. Whereas something like brand messaging, I've found that I've worked with a lot of other marketing professionals because it's sort of those, one of those if you know, you know, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they know how important this is. They know how difficult it is to do for yourself. So they end up hiring me. Whereas the average, necess- like, you know, maybe business owner walking down the street might not even know what brand messaging is and mm-hmm. how deeply fundamental it is to being able to show up with confidence. Yeah, I I definitely feel that. I sometimes think like, I spend all week marketing and like planning for other people's marketing. And then like, do I really want to kickstart my next week by marketing about more marketing for marketing so that I can market? Like what is happening? It just never ends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It Like I said, it just gets pretty meta. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever like fantasize about having a different business so that you can market about something besides marketing? And if so, what would that business be? I don't know. I I never saw myself as a visionary until very recently. I always loved working with visionaries because they just have this energy. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm both good at bringing it out and harnessing it. But I, I do think I have some visionary energy in me uh, that I've only recently sort of unleashed. I, I mentioned I love thrifting. I do think it'd be really fun to have some sort of really cool, unique, social impact thrifting something. Yeah. Um, honestly, I'm not sure I would ever venture into physical products just because mm-hmm. I think I'm a, an online business owner through and through. The risk is so much lower. I feel like once you get a taste of it, it's like, mm-hmm. why would I ever want to start a business that I have to put money into? Exactly. And like store all the things and ship all the things. And, and yeah. Um, and also my business has already evolved and it's mm-hmm. already taken new shapes. If I really think about it, I, I have the full capacity and potential to make it look and feel like anything I want it mm-hmm. to. So no, I don't have any specific business fantasies. I do have, you know, a million and one ideas a day about, oh, what this is what I could offer now. Here's how I can incorporate community or a membership or, oh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But mm-hmm. pretty happy with what I have for now and the trajectory I'm on for now and knowing that it will be a constant evolution. I love that. Nobody asked, but my fantasy is to own a laundromat because I love the smell of laundry. And I think that the worst part about every laundromat is that it's just like kind of dingy and gross. And so if I owned a laundromat, it would be cute. And then I could hang out and work at my regular job 
and smell laundry all day. So that's my secret. Hilarious. My I've secret actually heard that they're very pressure. profitable too. So mm-hmm. I, think, I just don't I think have there's some acumen you got going on. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I can dream one day. Mm-hmm. I think those are all of the questions that I had for you. Your biz journey was like so kind of like side by side with mine that it was really fun to get to explore that with you. And I've loved getting to nerd out about brand values together. So I know that we're both a part of the Introvertpreneur Summit that is coming up. I think at the time of this recording, it will be over. So if you're listening to this, I hope you bought tickets. But other than that, is there anything else you have coming up or that you want to promote or shout out today? Yeah, thanks. I'm trying these new about you audits. Um, I have one in April. Again, I don't know when this will come out, but I do have one in April. Just follow me on Instagram for like all the updates or or join my newsletter for all the updates. Um, But this is totally free ask me anything style audits of all things about you so whether it's your linkedin profile or your bio or your ig bio or your about page or like whatever it is that you want a second set of eyeballs on um i'm doing free let me give you my initial thoughts and see what the group says sort of session um can you remember it's april something again it's it's on my instagram um and then Also related to that, I have a free download called A Visionary's Guide to Elevator Pitches. And that is literally a step-by-step guide of how to talk about what you do and why it matters. And um, I think that'll be really useful. Even if you think you already have a great elevator pitch, I think it's a really useful exercise to revisit yours. Mm -hmm. And I also have a little dinner party variation, um, a dinner party description variation, because you know how sometimes you're on a Zoom call and you have your like perfectly polished elevator pitch, but then you are sitting next to your best friend's dad and they ask what you do and you're like, oh, uh, (laughs) and you get tongue tied. Yeah. Um, So I have sort of both versions mapped out in that. So that is at ashleysang.com slash messy. I'll create a a link for you and then it's totally free. And then you'll be on my email list too. And you can hear all my musings about values and messaging and branding and all the things. Awesome. I will definitely need to check that out because the last time I had to explain to someone what I did, it was someone who had been told by my grandmother that I work at a tech company. And I had to explain that just because I work on the internet does not mean I know anything about tech. (laughs) Exactly. Definitely be downloading that. And we'll link in the show notes for everything for everyone else to check you out and download that as well. So thank you so much for spending some time with me chatting this afternoon. Thank you to our listeners for listening to this episode. And yeah, we'll catch you all next time. Um, Thanks so much. Bye. Hey there. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. Or more likely, thanks for leaving your phone just far enough away that you can't get to it in time to skip past this part. If you like what you heard, don't forget to rate and leave a review. And shout out to my guests for joining me, my dog for not barking, my editor Chrissy for doing her thing, and my friend Devin for letting me use his music. You can check out all of the links for the podcast, anything mentioned in today's episode, and the amazing people who helped me put on the show in the show notes. Bye!